This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And Yes, I know. I know, I know, I know. You have missed us. You have missed us greatly. And I, I don't blame you. Um, normally, you get to listen to our wisdom every single week. Uh, week after week after week, we put in work and effort. I should say, I put in work and effort to bring you a show that's not horribly produced. That's a podcast that's free for you. Free for the blaze. We give it away. This is something we just do out of the kindness of our heart. Um, because Quit we selling know, yourself. But last week we weren't here, and 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 there's a there's a very um, no, I wouldn't say good reason for it, reason more an excuse. Yeah, but Chris, we weren't tell here. Them why? Tell we, them why weren't, we, we weren't we weren't here last week. Uh, I was here. Uh, I was ready to do a show. Um, we had plans to do a show, and then something happened. Uh, Billy, Billy, it's 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 time for you for your for your uh, mea culpa. Well, I I was actually in Utah. And did not really I'm look at my calendar sorry. properly, and so thought sorry. I would have time to do the show, and I didn't. But, but God, on the flip side, we had a wonderful jerk. interview with the Klein family, who are they're being fined potentially one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars for not making that. a gay cake. We so did. we did have that. We just did not make one of those super fantastic cakes. Oh what, boy! Not oh, you mean like a, a cake for a gay wedding? Yes. Sorry. So a gay Billy, cake, yeah. now, Billy, you disappointed uh, audiences across disappointed the, across, the, across the country. In fact, across the globe, you disappointed uh, <laughs> disappointed um, fans, d- dozens of them. And I'm trying to figure out what the penance should be, and I think I've come up with it. Oh, I no. think your penance should be somebody who's on staff here is a good friend of Billy's, and it goes back a long way with Mister oh. Hall- Mister Hallowell. And I think if she'll answer the phone, we should, your penance should be, we're going to call this person and they get to tell at least one embarrassing story about you. Something would totally make you blush. Now, she doesn't oh. know we're calling. Who knows if she'll even pick up the phone, but I think it's worth it. So I'm going to give uh, this person a call and we'll see if she answers um, and if she's willing to come on air and share something with how about uh, we don't do that? Uh, we're, no, we're going to right now. I'm I'm getting her number here. La, 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 and let's see if this person will answer their phone. I'm calling. I'm calling. Quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. I'm calling them. Don't pick up. Don't pick up. Don't pick up. Don't pick up. Oh, she's not there. Well, I'm going to have to message her if she's not going to. Yeah, she's probably screening her calls. She probably is some sort of weird Skype number coming over, and she's not answering. Uh, come on. This is amazing. This sucks. Can you reach Sarah? Okay, 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 okay. Oh, man, I just hung up on Billy. Sorry, Billy. Idiot. I know I hung up on you instead of... Sorry, I meant to hang up on her number. Let's see. Um... Um, I'm texting her now. 
Let's try again. All right, let me try again. Oh, let's see. If Did she respond to you? Not yet. Why don't you text her too? Um, I'm I'm calling now. And add. Let's see if she'll pick up now. Is she? I mean, she's on. She's on Slack right now. Let's see if she'll pick up. Hey, you've reached Sarah. Okay, so I'm just going to leave her message. I'm going to leave her message. I'm going to leave her message. Please record your message. Oh, wait, she's trying to FaceTime me. When you're finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Okay, just a second. Sarah, Chris Field here, recording a stupid little podcast with your idiot friend, Billy Hallowell. And he has penance to serve, and we wanted to have you on to talk about Billy as part of his penance. Um, if you get a chance... Uh, Don't do it! <laughs> shut up, Don't Billy! Shut up! Shut up! If you get a chance, uh, answer your friggin' no! phone when I call. <laughs> Bye. How do I hang up? <laughs> there. Is she, did, she, did she text you? Did she call you? I don't know. Oh. I, no. Yep. <sighs> All right, let's try again. I'm going to try one more time, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and we'll, we'll get her another time. One more time here. And if she declines to come on, we've just wasted all this time. Oh, bad. I'll try one more time. Now, is she going to answer? What's your, what's your bet? Because the first time it rang like... Hey, you've reached Sarah. She's Sorry, putting it straight to voicemail. Decline, decline, decline. Did you tell her to decline the calls? Record your message. I did I not. Finished recording. Shut up. You may hang up. Or press one for more options. Sarah, Sarah, we know you're screening your calls. Don't send us straight to voicemail. That is not kind. Answer your phone when you're called. Bye. <laughs> oh, her, she's having baby problems. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> okay. So, so since we got rid of that ridiculousness and. Maybe well, your your penance is put off for now, but don't think you have gotten away with your um, disregard for your co-host and your listeners. Don't think that we're just going to let this slide, my friend. Uh, sound like well, it sound, like, know, sound I, like John I, McCain I there. Across the country, you can't blame me. I was across the country looking and um, seeing and doing different I'm, things. I'm across the country. You're actually two thousand miles closer to me when you were traveling. Well, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you should have been responsible and actually carved out time to do the show like you said you would. You took your microphone, yes or no? I did. I okay. took my microphone. You took your microphone. I had my cord. I was ready to go, right. and then I realized You're obviously, that the you, day was crazier oh, than Oh, you've I got thought. all these great intentions. You're obviously on the road to hell. Well, you know, you you have a bedtime, apparently, so we couldn't have done it too I late. have no bedtime. You know, you know I have no bedtime. I am up at all hours. Billy gets texts from me at 3 in the morning because just that's how we roll. Now now he's texting me. So are you talking to, to Rivette right now? Yes, I am. Okay, is she doing okay? I'm, seriously, is she doing all right? Yes, she's okay. fine. Her okay. baby is having a, ba a baby moment. Okay, so it's not like health baby issues. It's like just being a baby. Yeah, it's okay. being like, a baby like, like, like you. Like you. <laughs> God, we're idiots. It's like having a bunch of seventh graders in the room. All right, so you know what? Let's uh, let's go ahead and get in, get on to our stories that we wanted to talk about. Billy, there's one story that's happening that made uh, blood shoot out of my eyes, as Glenn would say, and it's about some posters going on going around. And where was it? Right. Okay. So in Wisconsin. This, this of course. Wisconsin. Of course, Wisconsin. Of course, Wisconsin. Thank you, Governor Walker, for your idiotic state. 
This is honestly, Wisconsin. there's cheese there though, so I'm in. That's true. Oh and, wait, Sarah's and, saying call her. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's see if we can get this get her on here. All right, where is she? We'll do that one. I think that's her. Five one eight. Yeah. <clears throat> God, hello hello is this sarah hello. <laughs> hey uh ignore the phone the voice messages i left for you i didn't really mean what i said no don't listen to it. I, I had a seven month old puking on my leg and oh. if she screams i apologize in advance gross sarah don't tell him a thing the last time well, my, it depends on what he asked the last time my kids were sick they all got the flu i have three of them i have a seven-year-old a four-year-old and a one-year-old the last time the flu came, the, fl- the last time the flu came around, all three of them got it close to the same time, and within a span of twenty-four hours, I kid you not, they all puked on me twice. Cry me a river, cry <laughs> me a freaking river. So, Sarah, we love children. Yes, um, we're recording the show now, as you know. And is it okay if you're on with us? I guess we have to ask you that question. I don't know if we really do. Do we? You have my permission. Okay, good. Uh, we were going to do this anyway, so without your permission. So, but you gave it to us. So, hey. Uh, so the reason we're calling is because Billy was. We were supposed to record. We had to actually skip a show. And as Billy knows, and people who work with me know, I hate skipping things. I don't because you got to get in a pattern and get people used to it. And Billy uh, had all these good intentions, but Billy being on the road to hell, as you and I both know, uh, the, yeah. that road being paved with good intentions, he took his mic with him took his cords, took everything, and we were going to record while he was on the road traveling last weekend, and then we didn't. And we went showless last weekend, which is not good for people who are trying to start a regular listenership, as anyone with any sense would know. <laughs> so he is now has to pay penance, and we decide, I decided that the penance he would have to uh, pay is you get to tell a, at least one or as many as you like stories about Billy that would totally embarrass him don't um, do in it front, in front of the world. If you have any one story you'd like to tell about Billy, now is the time. We'd be happy to hear it. And Billy um, doesn't have any, doesn't get to say whether or not it's true or anything. You just get to share the story and something that really would make him blush. Um. Okay. So we actually shared this one on Slack uh, with our our edit conversation the other day, and he probably knows which one I'm going to tell because it's the only appropriate one that I could share. Um, <laughs> it's okay to do inappropriate. It's okay to do inappropriate stories. At some point, Chris, there are probably plenty more that we could we could um, discuss. But well, the side note is, Sarah, that we've known each other since we were like 18 or 19 or something. And yes. And now, do you have any of his prison stories? <laughs> we're going to go there. <laughs> no, we're not. Okay, so. Are we gonna go? There? No, we're not. We're because... not. We're not gonna go there. I know. I know those stories, and we're not gonna go there. Wait, I love it. We're, we're not gonna go there stories, yet. As though I've been to prison. We're not repeatedly. gonna. We're not gonna go there yet. We'll go maybe someday. But today, t- share the one you were you were gonna share, and I, Billy, so rudely interrupted. So um, this was his senior year of college, my junior year of college. We were both resident assistants at our favorite alum um, university, the College of Mount Saint Vincent. It's not even the university. I don't know what I'm talking about, but anyway. So we, for some reason, we all decided that we were going to do this thing where we dressed up as another RA for um, this party. And I, I don't remember why this was a good idea, but it involves me as well. And it's pretty embarrassing. But I drew Billy's name 
and we had I had to dress like Billy. So I had the help of his then girlfriend, now wife Andrea, raid his closet and stole his hoodie, his pair of gym shorts, sneakers, and a hat. So Billy, that's what he wore all the time. Was that's a pair of really really ill fitting basketball shorts, a hoodie and like a trucker hat. Always tilted to the side so that his hair wouldn't get scrunched because it seemed to be the only thing that he ever cared about was what his hair looked like. Oh, so, anyway, I show up. Well, the, the, the cherry on top of this delicious Sunday was the fact that Billy also never wore any underwear. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Okay, this is incredibly disturbing. <laughs> yes. And I apologize. And like I said, this is the only appropriate story I can tell. So imagine what the other stories include. But um, uh. he never wore uh, he never wore underwear. So to to top this all off, I took a pair of his socks and stuffed them into my pants, <laughs> so it would appear authentic. <laughs> so, so ridiculous. Please tell, please tell me these were infant socks, though. These couldn't have been adult-sized socks. Oh my God. <laughs> we're going to be up the air. I'm not going to. I don't know what else to say. But, um, yeah, so we showed up, and I'm dressed like Billy, and I think we had to give each other a gift, and I, I think I gave him C.S. Lewis's. Um, you did, Mere like, Christianity. Yeah, Which is the polar opposite of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Irony, we love it. But um, so yeah, that was that was one of them. The other, here's another embarrassing story, with myself included. I I spent a semester abroad, and I came home, and I asked somebody if Billy was around, and I thought it was I was looking for a different Billy that happened to go to our school, and I got really excited, and I ran over to his room, like super excited to see my other friend Billy, and I got really disappointed, and I was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It was like that was like the first time we really met too. And I'm like, who is this crazy woman who's excited to see me? And then she oh. shows up and she's totally disappointed by me. Oh uh, well, what's what's yeah, what happens with most sums people? Up our relationship ever since. Yes. <laughs> but the best part about the dress up and every part of that story is true is that the minute I saw her, I was like, Sarah has me. Like I knew it was me. It was, it was like looking in the mirror. Yeah. Yes. So so, mm -hmm. uh, Billy. I have to ask. I have to ask you this, uh, just because everybody wants to know: Do you wear underwear now? Yeah, it was okay. just that in college you wake up so late and you're rushing. There's no time. What do you mean? There's no time. You grab there's your no skivvies from I... the drawer and you pull them on. It takes well, a maximum of six seconds. No, well, you have, have clean time. underwear to begin with. So that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You that's what's time-consuming. Have thing to wash. Well, and I didn't, and I, I didn't do laundry as often. I did them when I had to. So underwear, not wearing underwear helped cut down on the laundry. <sighs> That's the last thing you should man. sacrifice, he Billy. He foul. He is. Was he was foul. Was foul? <laughs> was foul? You know what? Sarah, my, next time you come back, let's we'll tell some stories about you. <laughs> okay. And we can go... We can go with totally inappropriate stories because we can always cut things out since this is a podcast. There's no FCC rules. Of course, there are blaze, uh, there are blaze rules. But I think we'll stop there. Today. Okay. Hey, uh, Sarah. I think that's a good idea. So to be to be fair to you, tell people what it is you do at the Blaze and some of the stuff you're working on, real quick. Well, actually, I am the commentary editor, so I manage our network of Blaze contributors who are outside writers who bring opinion and commentary pieces. So. 
I get to deal with um, anybody who's interested in writing an opinion. Gotcha. So, so you you're the you're the one in charge of handling all the crazies. Um, That's not how I should put that. Probably. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it exactly like that, but some of them can be. Yeah. Okay. Most of the ones that we then turn down to not be in the network. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Sarah, uh, thank you for being on, and thank you for shaming Billy, and um, and we will probably be calling you back someday, uh, maybe even soon, uh, to get I'm, more dirt. I'm on. happy to do it. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, Sarah. All right, you guys have a good one. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. That was needless torture, but no, she was she was kind. That story is very true, and there are many others that are equally true and much more disturbing. All right, so now we were where did we leave off? We were going to get into a story. What was the story? The prom. The prom. Oh, the prom. Story. Okay, so tell people about this. This idiot. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so there's there's this this organization. It's a nonprofit. It's called Crossing of Manitowoc County, and it's this group. It's a crisis pregnancy center in Manitowoc County in Wisconsin. And um, basically, the long story short of it is that the woman who runs this group, she's the executive director. Her name is Sue Thomasick. Um, and about nine years ago, she realized that like you know four to six weeks after prom every year, there'd be all these teenage girls running into the office panicking about being pregnant, and so. You know, she, it's a Christian group. She started thinking, what can we do in the schools for prevention? Not not a faith-based prevention program, but what can we do? What kind of message can we put up that will help this problem? So she ends up coming up with this idea to put posters up in some of the local schools. And I think the posters were in four or five schools. So for the past nine years, they've made these posters. They've put them up. And all of a sudden this year, they run into a problem. They put up this poster that's a silhouette of a woman in a prom dress and it has all these different words on it like courageous, fearless, honest, loyal and there's there's a little banner above it and the, and the banner says a night to protect her character and so it's just one of the 12 designs they have and it's basically talking about having good morals you know on prom night not just having sex you know thinking thinking through your values right. and you know, it, it's really, a, I think, a nice sentiment and a really good project, and the schools have always welcomed it. But a student complained this year. But and, and and it's and it's it's sending a message not to girls, though there is an underlying message to girls to be girls of character. But it's sending a message to boys, like be respectful of women. Right. And it's been going on these... for it says here nine years they've been doing this. Right. Okay. Now this was the first year they used this design, which is kind of interesting. The, okay. the one about the woman in the silhouette, right. and it was and it was put together by a graphic artist who was interning for the organization. And I, again, I want to highlight: there's nothing on this poster that's religious at all, um, aside from the logo of the organization at the bottom, and the which logo is not a religious of, logo. Uh, local hospital, and it's not a religious logo. The logo of Crossing of Manitowoc County is a red cross, just like you would see for the Red Cross, and then two hearts on top of it. It's just a couple of hearts on top of a red cross and like the typical red cross organization cr red cross. And then like you said the other the other thing that's on there is a holy family memorial, but that's the local hospital. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a Catholic hospital and so the long story short of it, that's my new saying, long story short of it. I like that. Um but that is basically that this atheist group came after it's the freedom from religion foundation of we've course. talked about them before came, has come after the sign as well as a student who complained to the freedom from religion foundation calling the posters offensive and so now they've been removed and so would the would the atheist organization have a problem with the posters if the logos for the for the two organizations weren't on there 
Well, technically, no, although listening to the attorney who spoke out saying that this is a bad message to send young people. You know, What's that, the that bad message? Sort of the, right, it's a bad message to send young people because but, you're, but, you're judging them for having sex, basically. Well, yeah. You're having sex That's before marriage, which isn't, a good, which isn't a good idea. So I'm judging good behavior versus bad behavior. But you know we're living in this society where it's like, oh, anything goes. And I feel like the same goes for young people. Well, they're going to have sex anyway. You know, that's sort of, that's sort of the attitude that yeah. people are operating under. And I don't have the quote from the Freedom from Religion Foundation in front of me right now. But the student had actually said, who went and complained, she had wanted to put up another poster and they wouldn't let her. So that's what led to the complaint. Um, she went to the atheist group. I don't know if she's an atheist, but – you know, she basically said that this is not a good message. It's not a healthy message to be sending to her peers. Um, and but then what, did she say what's unhealthy about the message? Okay, you can say it's an unhealthy message. What is unhealthy about the message? These they're saying. well, you know, she says the the quote is the insinuation that if you do have sex, then you don't have any character anymore is a horrible message to send. So it's all about. And she's like, I'm not encouraging people to have sex, but you're not a bad person if you do, and you're not a bad person if you don't. So. It goes goes to we cannot judge whether somebody's okay, listen. You can't judge a person's heart, but you can say they're good people and bad people, <laughs> right? And we can say that. Right. We can say that. Was is is somebody better than somebody else? Well, you can't say. Well, you think you're better than me, or you can't say someone's better than me. Okay, let's take an extreme example. Is Gandhi better than Hitler? Yes. So if we can make that judgment, we can make judgments that are more refined. But it's all about we don't want to, we would hate to have to have anybody um, keep it in their pants. We'd hate to have to have anybody live with any sort of conviction. We'd have to have, have anybody live with any sort of morality. You know, in fact, it reminds me of there's a story that came out. It was in the Atlantic oh, a week or two ago, I think. It was in April. And um, it's about tonsillectomies and that there might be some sort of serendipity in tonsillectomies that it cuts down on cancer and other diseases because the HPV um, you know, papillomavirus can be found in tonsils. So they're saying to cut down on throat cancer or whatever, or tonsil cancer or something, you could, there, there are, you could remove your tonsils and that's actually winding up being maybe a side benefit of these tonsillectomies that are happening. A lot of people get in tonsillectomies and it seems to be cutting down on the rate of, of this certain type of cancer, or you could get the HPV vaccine. So they're talking about, you could cut down your risk of cancer, this type of cancer by either getting a tonsillectomy or HPV vaccine which is a sexually transmitted disease they don't ever mention there there are three ways to avoid this cancer tonsillectomy hpv vaccine and what would be the third billy well abstinence. avoiding abstinence. risky behavior yes abstinence <laughs> avoiding risky behavior doing things that don't include the h you know the human papillomavirus do they ever well, the, one time do they one time in the entire atlantic article mention abstinence maybe you should avoid risky behavior no they're saying engage in risky behavior but get your tonsils pulled ahead of the hpv vaccine well the whole entire thing is mind-numbing because at the end of the day you look at this and you say just like you're saying if you stop having sex with everybody then your chances of having pregnancy or an std will be lower and yes. you know i don't understand the being offended by this a night to protect her character that line is not offensive to me it's not just about i know one of the things was oh well there's no male silhouette you know they didn't put a sign up with a male silhouette talking about the, the male character but the fact of the matter is this is encouraging young people to be smart not to go out and have sex with everybody and and honestly it, it is setting a standard and i think we're uncomfortable today 
setting standards. We're living in a society where nobody wants to have any standards set because it means they might have to admit that they're sometimes wrong or sometimes doing something right. that isn't the best for them. Right. Sorry, so, that's reality. Right. For some reason, all behavior is okay. And it's not true. It's there. Anyway, we discussed this enough. We can, go, we can go on and on and on about it. Yeah, it it's, it's, it's sad. They've had to remove the signs and she's very worried Sue, about what's going to happen with her relationship with the public schools Jeez. because this has become a big story now. So frustrating. I mean, just people, if we're pushing more behavior, not even pushing religion, and I would be okay if you say, you know what, God doesn't want you to do that. Okay, you want to share that with kids, that's fine. But these posters aren't even pushing that. They're just saying, you know what, why don't you think about what you're doing before you take your pants off? Why is that a problem? Because know. it doesn't fit in with the anything goes mentality I that know. so many people I know. want. I know, I know. I and know. for the atheists, let me just say this. I believe firmly this is only about making sure that any religious group has no root at all in right. any public school. Right. That even though the signs aren't religious, they don't want that group to have any right to be there. Right. And you're, I believe you're that's not what's allowed. If you believe, if you have convictions, you're not allowed to speak. If you have religious convictions, actually not religious convictions, if you have any Christian convictions, you're not allowed to speak. Anybody else can say anything they want. You can't speak. And that's where the atheist movement has taken it. That's where the freedom from religion people have taken this nonsense. But Why they haven't silenced you yet, I can't figure out. I mean, that's a public good idea. You know, you know what will silence me? This will. Back to the church boys. This week, the Supreme Court heard, in case you haven't heard this, a major case. It's a landmark case, gay marriage, the ongoing battle. Uh, it was a collection of six different legal battles that were combined into one. It was called Obergfell versus Hodges. It's a case that the ruling will come out in, in June for. And right now, you know, the Supreme Court, they heard the oral arguments. Now they have to consider what they're going to do. Are they going to make gay marriage a mandated legality in all 50 states? Or are they going to allow states to define marriage on their own individually? That's the big question. Then the second question in this case is whether or not a state that doesn't have gay marriage that's legal should be forced to recognize marriages that were conducted in other states. And so uh, really a fascinating – I mean I, I think this is probably one of the biggest Supreme Court battles we've seen in a while. There was Greece versus Galloway last year, which was the prayer case. That was a big one. But I think this one's even bigger. And it's really going to dictate what happens now moving forward for gay rights, religious liberty, and a variety of other related issues. And, you know, the takeaway that I had, and we did a piece that had sort of the nine major moments. There were more than there were more important moments than what we put in this piece, but um, the nine big moments from the landmark Supreme Court battle this week. And really, I felt like it seemed the justices really were weighing this. Most of them, especially the conservative justices, were really finding a struggle, I think, between granting rights versus changing a historical definition uh, of marriage. And, and that's a tough, that's a really tough balance for them to have to strike. And so um, that came through very strongly. Of course, you had the liberal justices who were being very liberal right. during the proceedings. So what was your take on the religious freedom aspect of stuff? I know that Glenn and other people have talked about, you know, the, the nonprofit status of organizations would be threatened if they don't recognize same-sex marriage. You know, for a long time, I think 
people said, oh, well, that'll never happen. You know, churches will never be threatened with with a 501c3 revocation and they'll, and nobody will ever go after them. But, you know, I feel like five or 10 years ago, if we, if we had had a conversation about whether or not a bakery should be allowed to refuse making a wedding cake, I think we would have said, no, that's ridiculous. A bakery, you know, a, a private business owner can definitely have right. um, their say. And now here we are having conversations about that. Um, I don't think anything is out of the question. I don't think it's a scare tactic to bring that up. I think it's le- a legitimate question um, at some point, you know, and, and then again, you have to hope that the court and the court traditionally has upheld religious convictions. But look, if one Supreme Court justice is out and there's a liberal president in who who puts somebody else in who isn't good on the on these issues, it's going to be a whole generation of Supreme Court cases that are not friendly to religious institutions, making that sort of dynamic possible i think right and so there's there's three separate outcomes two of them are essentially the same but there are three separate outcomes as far as i understand correct me if i'm wrong the justice justices can say gay marriage is a constitutionally protected right and all 50 states and the d and dc must recognize it or they could say same-sex marriage is something to be decided by each and every state individually on their own that's it or there could be what is that you know is in between those two and actually leans toward a federal mandate for same-sex marriage. And that is each state can decide their own and each state must recognize the contracts made in other states. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'd be interested if that third option, I'm pretty sure that is a possibility and, you know, I doubt that'll happen, but, but it could, I bet it will. I I bet it'll be that, I bet that'll be their way to implement same-sex marriage as a blanket federal mandate. Although it is a middle ground. I know, I know it's not a middle ground, but it is in a sense that it makes it a little harder to get married. You know, you can't if if you can't get. Well, listen, not everybody can get on a plane and get married, though. Right. So, I mean, they can get in a car can travel to a state where it's legal. Yeah. But if if half the states have it, how hard is it to get to a state that has it? And then you just get well, back in your I mean, car and drive it's home. Harder. It's harder. Right. Wow. So and I think that is because really what we were talking about, you know, before we went on the air, too, is that 19 of the states that there are 36 states in the District of Columbia right. that are that gay marriage is currently legal in 19 of those states, though, it was federal courts that it wasn't, you know, it, yeah, mandated it wasn't, it. Yeah, it wasn't the legislature that decided it. So it would then probably go back to whatever the current law was before the court mandated it. So like right. California had was it Prop 8. Right. Yeah. California had Prop 8 and they they said that they they added to their constitution. Wasn't it to add, they added to their constitution? Marriage is one man, one woman, and right. that's it. And so they would have to actually have legislation that changed that uh, in order to make gay marriage legal in their state. And listen, I think I have every confidence in the world that California would find a way to legalize gay oh, marriage. I'm sure probably, they would, but, but they would have to change their constitution because they voted it into their constitution. So they couldn't right. just pass legislation. It would have to be a constitutional amendment and be voted on by the people of California. I would suppose. Well, and in New York State, the legislature, you right, know, right, and made, California could so the law would not change in New York, right, and California could get it, could have gotten around it easily if it had been a just simply a law passed by by their Congress, by their legislature, by their state legislature, and signed by their governor. They could repeal it. They could, you know, pass a law changing it, whatever. But this is actually a state constitutional amendment that was passed in California, so that's a bigger hurdle. But still, regardless making every state recognize same-sex marriage regardless of whether every state has to conduct same-sex marriage is the same as a federal blanket requirement for same-sex marriage i mean in the long run for all intents and purposes as as miss jenner would say for all intents and purposes that's what they would that's what they would be doing you went there yeah well. well 
and we will, and that actually, we're going to be talking more about uh, Bruce Jenner next week. Oh, that's a little right. teaser. That's right. Um, a really exciting episode of the Church Boys, special episode of the Church Boys. But uh, you know, one other thing that I thought was fascinating in the in the oral arguments was that um, you know Samuel Alito, Justice Alito, he um, I love saying his a, name. Improperly. He's a good boy. <laughs> he um, he brought up polygamy, which is sort of fascinating and basically asked the gay marriage side if we allow this change of definition what is the rationale for not offering the same right to people who want to be polygamous and right. you know the, the gay marriage side argued that there would be a rational for not for not offering that and i don't i don't remember the exact details of that but i think they, they said because up, they would say because that's not the answer that they gave was actually that's never been the traditional understanding of marriage. <laughs> Neither has man and man marriage been the traditional. Right, and, and he brought that up. He, right, it's like, he no, that's an idiotic this. argument. And the thing is, and they want to get mad at people for equating gay marriage to polygamy. And it has nothing about doing equating gay marriage to polygamy or anything else. It has to do with the fallacy of their argument, the, the lack of logic in their argument. There are three main things that, def that help us define marriage. One, it's a man and a woman, opposite sex. Two, not closely related. Three, one at a time. You are allowed to, everybody has the same right, everybody has the same right to be married to one person at a time of the opposite gender who's not a close relative. Those are the three main defining things. One at a time, opposite sex, not a close relative. Everybody has that same right. I also don't have the right to marry a man or marry multiple women. I don't have that right and neither does a gay guy. A gay guy and I, neither one have the right to get married to another man. Well, so if we kick out one of those, here? but if we kick, but happen? if we, but if we kick out one of those three, if we kick out, if, if the, if the argument of one person at a time, opposite sex, not closely related, if we kick out the opposite sex one, why wouldn't we kick out the uh, one at a time or kick out the not closely related requirement for marriage? If you're going to get rid of one of them, why is one of them a legitimate thing to kick out as far as what defining marriage is and the other two are not? And that's well, that's why we have this argument. Not it's not equating gay marriage to polygamy. It's knocking down the fallacy of the argument. What do I think is well, going to happen? I, I, I think, think they're. I think. The, I think that the court is going to try to split the baby, and they're going to say it is up to the states. However, every state must recognize it. And I think that's that that you get you get um, Kennedy on that decision, a five four, maybe even a six three, with Roberts writing the decision so that he can more narrowly define it but i think he could get everybody on board with its 50 states everybody gets to decide their own but everybody has to recognize everybody else's contracts and which is a blanket federal requirement for same-sex marriage that's what i think yeah. is going to happen um i think they're just going to legalize it flat out you do you think I it'll do. just be a flat blanket i do because i mean there were a couple <clears throat> i don't know i mean they, they definitely are struggling with it more than i thought they would be based on sort of what you would assume might happen in a case like this based on the polls and everything else but you know kennedy brought up a few things that made me think hmm i mean he's sort of your swing vote and if he's if he understands that people who are are gay and and want to be married can't procreate but still want to have those same benefits and and participate in this institution if he is saying that it's making me think, hmm. But he also, on, at the same time, he said, you know, listen, we can't just say we know better. Right. You know, it's dangerous for, for us to come around and say, oh, you know what? We're going to redefine this right. and say that we know better as a court. So right. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's my assumption. That's, but that's, that's why I think it's going to be, and I hope I am wrong. I hope that they knock it down entirely. However, my guess would be 
every state gets to decide it, and every state has to recognize, which is essentially a federal blanket mandate, which is what Kennedy wants, but he he also wants to have the plausible deniability to go out and say, who is this court to redefine marriage? We're going to leave it up to the states. And I think that's where his argument is. Now, and this is a related story, and I'm just going to transition into it because I think it's, I think it's really transition, interesting. Transition, huh? That's an interesting word for you to choose. What? Transition. Oh, boy. You're, you're doing another plug for our Bruce Jenner special. Um, <laughs> which is coming next week, by the way. Which is coming next week. Which, is, which, will, be, which will be available next week, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> so the AP and, and uh, GFK, full disclosure, I used to work for GFK. Um, what is GFK? Did, GIFK. Oh, boy. Well, I worked for Roper Public Affairs and Media, which was part of GFK. Um <laughs> But they, they put together a poll, and they did this poll right before – they collected the data right before the Supreme Court heard the case. And right. really it was assessing where Americans stand on religious liberty versus gay rights. And when it comes to religious liberty and gay rights, if the two are conflicting, a majority of Americans, 56 percent, are actually more likely to support the government protecting religious liberty over gay rights. Is that, so does, people, that, does that frighten you that it's as low as 56 percent, that it's just – slightly above a majority actually prefer the protection of religious rights? No, I would actually expect it to be lower at this point based on where we, I, I, yes. I mean, ideologically, yes, but I was surprised it was so high considering, uh, what the polls show on gay marriage, which is, which is overarching support for it. Not, not so overwhelmingly, but you know, not always a majority, but definitely more are in support of gay marriage than not. And I think the problem with gay rights is that, um, or with any rights, is that when you talk about rights and denying people rights on paper or even in a poll, it's it's yeah. something about that people it feels weird. It's like, well, I'm saying I don't want them to have rights, right. you know. And and so I think I actually was fine with the number. I didn't horrify hmm. me that much. Interesting. All right, you know, what, you. you know what we, you know what we need to do. What we need to take a break here in a minute. But why don't what you happened? tease people because you're talking about religious freedom? Why don't you tease people with what's coming up on the other side of this break? Okay, so what is coming up on the other side of this break? Is oh, I'm sorry, there isn't time. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my So, we have a very special guest for you. Um, we actually have two very special guests dope. for you. One is somebody who you are probably going to be surprised to hear if you're familiar with him. It's Mikey Weinstein from the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. He is a big First Amendment watchdog, uh, runs a group, as I mentioned, that deals with military um, issues when it comes to the separation of church and state. He is on the show. Uh, We also have one of his clients on the show who is involved in a really fascinating uh, religious freedom debate in the military. And so before I spoil any more of it, we will give you that interview right now. It's Billy Hollowell and Chris Field here for the Church Boys, and we have a really interesting discussion today. We've got Mikey Weinstein of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation and John Chantry, who up until recently was a Druid leader at the Recruit Training Command in Great Lakes, Illinois. How are you guys doing today? Great. Good, thank you. So, you know, thank you for joining us. I did a story about a week or two ago about what's been going on there at the Navy boot camp. And, you know, John, you've been a leader there. And, you know, before we get into this issue that's that's been happening with the military and what you guys are, are fighting for, I don't know if you if you wouldn't mind, John, telling us just a little bit about 
what it means to be a druid. I think most of our listeners and readers probably don't have a good idea. So I'm just going to throw it out to you and, and give you just a little bit of a chance to explain it to us. Oh, very simply, druidry has to do with a love of nature. It is an attempt to, to recapture the sense of sacredness and holiness that there is in nature um, that, that our ancient ancestors once had. Um, one of the people, I think, who really explains this best is a Catholic priest who is deceased now about five years, um, Father Thomas Berry, talked about how it is that it's important for us to, to have that sense that nature is intimate with us, that we have an I-thou relationship and not an it relationship to be abused. Very similar to what Francis of Assisi was teaching um, back in the 1200s, that um, the sun is our brother, the moon is our sister, the wolves are our brothers, uh, the, the robins are our sisters. It's, it's that sense of intimacy and love for nature um, of all that God created. Now, now John, uh, is, it, is it a worshiping of nature kind of thing, or is it, is it a, a communing thing? And you, and you mentioned that God had created, is this, I mean, are you, are you saying that so that we understand it in our religious terms, or is that something that the Druid, um, I guess, faith or religion also believes that there is a creator of these things? In Druidry, there is no credo. Um, there is no set of doctrines. Um, and so people are free to conceptualize and to worship divinity in their own manner, so that I, as a Christian Druid, am able to worship our Lord um, in the same way as other Christians do, but our Lord also in, in, um, in nature, having a sense when I go out into the woods, into the meadows, walk on a hill, that I am walking with God. So God is my term here. Um, other people have a different sense of what is divine. Um, some of them are trying very hard to understand what our most ancient ancestors um, believed was divine throughout nature. And that, of course, goes way back before Christianity and before Judaism. Um, and so some worship in ways that um, uh, um, are very different. But that is the reason that we, my wife and I, have referred to the services that we provide at Great Lakes as Earth-centered, rather than as specifically Druid, because we welcome people of every faith group so let me let me ask you now that you've given us sort of that that you know backdrop. I think it's important to the story. You've been up until recently, up until very recently, you have been working as a volunteer at the Recruit Training Command, um, the Navy Boot Camp in Illinois, and you've been you know working with with Druids and others who um, share a similar worldview. Can you take us through, and then I want to hear from from Mikey how you guys connected, but could you take us through um, what your work has been traditionally over the last couple of years there and what recently changed that that basically left you no longer able to do that work? 
the work that um, we were doing um, mainly focused on providing a worships or, or um, honoring service um, once a week. Um, initially, when we began, we provided um, service of about an hour and a half to two hours on Friday evenings. And we also were involved in providing a religious education uh, class um, on Sunday mornings. That changed um, to um, being restricted as of uh, last May to providing um, only um, the earth-centered service for 50 minutes on Sunday mornings and no more religious education. We have continued to do that for the past year. And why, why, why were those changes implemented last year, and then why were there more recent changes? What, what was the military's rationale behind that? What we were told was their rationale was that they did not find it appropriate for civilian volunteers to be providing services. Um, and even though the Navy regulations allow for that, it was clearly preferable that either chaplains, number one, or contract personnel, number two, or uniformed um, active-duty Navy personnel stationed there, number three, should be providing those services. What they so, told us at that time was that we were being relieved of our responsibilities for coming in and providing services, and that the Navy was, at that time, going to be seeking out um, uniformed personnel to lead such services. During the past year, since last May, um, we've not heard any word from anyone that any uniformed volunteers have been found. So Still, Good Friday, we were asked to leave. So, John, was there, were there any claims made against you or any other... Um people of the of the druid community within the military no there were no claims against us uh, um, of any of us who are and not all of us who are doing earth-centered are even uh, druid that just happens to be my particular focus um, my my wife is much more of a nature mystic um, so um, no there were no accusations against us individually but the other groups and and our concern here really is not for earth-centered services. Our concern is for the recruits who want to practice whatever religion that they choose for themselves. And so the group... Okay, so let me jump in for a second. It's not, it is not just the earth Center. This is Mikey Weinstein at MRFF. Uh, besides that, of course, we're dealing with Buddhist, uh, Baha'i, Unitarian Universalist, Church of Christ, Christian Science. These, all, these are all minority faiths that were being serviced by, you know, by, uh, by volunteers, civilian volunteers, not costing the Navy anything, where, where um, the commander, Captain Feifel, apparently uh, being influenced to some degree by his command chaplain, I think has the interesting name of Ted, Ted Williams, Shades of Baseball, uh, just uh, abruptly decided that these particular faiths were now, uh, the term we use, religious losers. They were not going to be provided uh, with um, what they've been provided for in the past. And the problem here, of course, is that this is a major violation of uh, 
at least three parts of the United States Constitution, the equal protection of the Fifth Amendment, the, the no establishment of the First Amendment, and clearly creating a um, religious test in violation of Clause 3, Article 6. John, at that, John, you might want to mention, you reached out to a bunch of places, and finally you contacted us, and we realized how egregious this was. And then we jumped in, and then we also reached out uh, to uh, an organization that we're normally at odds with all the time, and that's the Chaplain Alliance for Religious Liberty, <laughs> which is headed up by uh, my personal friend, um, um, Ron Cruz, but professionally we're always at odds, but not this time, not this time. Together we are standing together in solidarity, uh, trying to fight this unconstitutional outrage together. Mikey, Mikey, Mike, Mikey, let me, let me I, ask I, you, are you, re, are you required, is the military required, rather, to provide a leader of some sort, to make sure that whatever somebody's faith is, that there's somebody there, a chaplain, a volunteer there? Is that is that something that's required yes, in the code? Yes, that, okay. that, that is a requirement. Uh, from the chaplain's corps, their their job their job is not to view their position as a mission field, you know, with with low hanging fruit to follow the Great Commission uh, in the case of evangelical Christians or uh, Messianic Jews or anything like that. They are supposed to minister and provide spiritual assistance to all members of the military. Their their job is not to, in an attempt to try to conform uh, member military members to the endorsing agency requirements of their own. A particular uh, denominational sex, but to, but to ba- make sure that they are kind of like universal blood donor, that they're there to help everybody. And as a matter of fact, uh, our MRFF uh, affairs director, Victoria Getman, in, at Joint Base San Antonio, runs a similar organization to what John is doing out here with the Air Force and Army with no problem whatsoever. They they have close to 200 folks every weekend that are down there. So with the, uh, with, at the Air Force conducts its basic training down at Lackland Air Force Base, no problem. But what is it with the Navy? So uh, I, I get I had a couple questions just for clarification for you, Mikey. One was you mentioned the 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 term religious losers. Was that your term, or was that something that you were told uh, by the people you've been dealing with? No, that's our term. Okay. That's our, our our in fact, it's our lead litigator's term. Um, gotcha. uh, Robert High, and uh, we are uh, moving quickly to try to retain counsel to get the to the, the recruits there at Great Lakes Naval Station. Clap. Certified as a class for potential federal court injunctive relief. Um, you know, remember there, um, that there's a legal concept known as capable, capable of repetition yet evading review. It often happened in the situation with abortion cases because a woman is only pregnant for nine months. Right. Well, in this case, as John will tell you, it's much shorter. The recruits, John, I think, are there for only eight weeks, and then they graduate, and then they're gone. Right. And it's very, very hard, yeah. you know, to get a 17-, 18-, 19-year-old. Uh, uh, you saw the letter we got from the commander, Captain Feifel, yesterday, who said that um, if somebody... Uh, wants to be accommodated, um, he will consider that, uh, but they're going to have to come to him first. It, it, it's unbelievably, the military is unbelievably tribal, adversarial, communal, and ritualistic. You know, your your military boss, particularly in boot camp, is not like your shift manager at Starbucks. Right. And this creates an absolutely huge chilling effect, and it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's savaging the, the constitutional rights of these young recruits, and that's why we're together with a with my friend Ron Cruz and the Chaplain Alliance for Religious Liberty, um, we just came out with a joint press release and a letter demanding um, that uh, this uh, this uh, uh, savaging of the constitutional rights of these young men and women be stopped immediately. So I, I let me ask you another question uh, again for clarification. So the the chaplaincy or the chaplain program or whatever is supposed to provide a chaplain of some kind or allow the provision of a chaplain of some kind for any faith, regardless of the number of people in it. So if I've got, if, if I'm the only person who believes in, you know, 
uh, you know, I have to have cocoa puffs every day at noon. That's part of my religious beliefs or whatever. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm being absurd for absurdity's sake, but no, no, no. no, no your answer, the answer is a resounding yes. Let me tell you something. We have a number. We represent over forty-one thousand three hundred members of the U.S. military. We've got about two dozen that are members of the Jedi Church. And I don't know okay. whether you guys are aware of that. You can Google it. It's been around since you know since Star Wars. Since nineteen seventy-seven, uh, uh, I would suppose. And, and so uh, it's very much like the Baha'i faith. And um, if someone is a member of the Jedi Church and is requesting accommodation, it is a requirement that the chaplaincy help that individual, but and not judge them. You know, right. shades of Mark seven one, right? Not judge them, but to say if that's what you want, I'm going to try to help you. So that's not, you know, it's not being denigrating, talking about you know cocoa puffs or Spider Man. But in this instance, we are we are far afield from that when we're talking about uh, the Earth centered faiths, which is you know certainly predate the Abrahamic faiths in many respects. Um, but certainly, as I mentioned, uh, the case of the Church of Christ, sure. Christian Science, uh, you know, Baha'i and you know, Unitarian, it's just appropriate. It's a scandalous outrage that, uh, that this is not being handled appropriately up there, and, and it needs to stop. That's why we're on the show with you today. Let me let me let ask me you one thing. both this. Just mid, really. Okay, is go, ahead. go saying, ahead. Please? And that is that in our Earth-centered services, we have a large number of recruits from a wide variety of religious backgrounds who come because they are not able to find a particular um, religious service that is very fitting. We've even had people who are Pentecostal come into our Earth-centered service. So we're looking to to facilitate... Um, the recruits being able to have whatever religious services are appropriate, the Pentecostal, the, the various um, Protestant groups. Um, the, uh, the only ones that are represented right now are the Lutherans and the Seventh-day Adventists. The Baptists are not represented, the Methodists are not represented, the Episcopalians are not represented. There's huge numbers of recruits who really would like to have services that are within their own religious tradition to help them deal with the struggles that they go through in basic training. And not that... And and not Chris, what you can't do, you, what, what they're saying now is they're telling a recruit, all right, uh, there's your room, you have an hour or so, here's your book. Go in there and inspire yourself. Uh, unfortunately, this violates what we know as equal protection. It's a deprivation of, the, of liberty. It's a complete inequality with everybody else there. It doesn't cost the Navy anything. This is, and so the, you know, the, this is just a behavior that, um, as I said before, is uh, not just uh, rude. It is constitutionally violative. And uh, from that perspective, people from you know uh, need to be uh, severely uh, you know uh, aggressively investigated and punished visibly if this is what they've allowed. And the guy reached out to um, Ron Cruz uh, when he was visiting a uh, family in Australia. He you know, flew back. I think it was a 26-hour flight or 16-hour flight. Jumped on and said, "Mikey, this is one we can work on together." And it's um, it's you talk about strange bedfellows. I mean, he and I sat next to each other. Uh, through very contentious uh, testimony on the House Armed Services Committee, but I'm saying the full spectrum, whether you're an evangelical Christian or whether you're a diehard atheist, in this instance we realize this is wrong. We are all brother and sister Americans. We are funding the U.S. Navy, and we are standing up and saying that, you know, that these recruits um, uh, are, uh, again, are being, uh, being uh, played for pawns, and they're, they're being stripped of their constitutional rights, and we demand that something be done to correct that immediately. Well, and what I love about you and, and Ron coming together is the fact that I would imagine a big chunk of what you disagree on is what the role of chaplains are in that. Because I know you, you identified that a little bit earlier. You know, he's much more I've specific. Ron, in, 
in what, yeah, in what had, he believes they can his, say. Uh, Ron and his lovely wife, Jonda, to my home in Albuquerque. And um, there are many things that we're, you know, that, I mean, whether it's uh, um, LGBT rights or abortion or this or that, there are many things we're not going to agree on. But what we can agree on is when we see something like this, it, it is just, it's, um, uh, this is, you know, this is, this is an, or, uh, it's, it's, it's very, uh, I'm getting some amazing emails and calls from people now that the press release is out saying, is this actually happening? Are you guys actually together on this? And uh, uh, I'm so proud of John because the courage it takes for John and his wife Karen to come forward as the leaders of this group of 250 or so recruits is, is completely non-trivial. When you stand up for your religious rights in America today, you often turn yourself into what we call, I guess, a tarantula on a wedding cake. We all know how long they last. They don't last that long. So, you know, John, I believe, is a former Marine and is uh, maybe going back and uh, using, uh, stealing his resolve, came forward and uh, is talking to the media. He doesn't do this every day. And he's, this is a, a potential sacrifice that is very, very impressive, and, uh, and we're very glad to have the opportunity you know, to uh, uh, to be on this uh, on this um, broadcast podcast today and talk about the needs of these young sailors. Well, you know, let me ask a question, and this let can me, go for either of you. But one I... quick, I need a correction in here. I need okay, to do a correction sure. in here, or I won't be able to survive at home. <laughs> and that is um, that I am a veteran of the United States Air Force. It is my oh, wife sorry. who sorry. also provides these services who is a veteran of the United States Marine uh-huh. Corps. Ah, okay, so, okay. So she will... Well, I knew we had the Marines in there somewhere. It's Sharon that says Semper Fi. And let me ask you this, because I think you mentioned earlier that, that a lot of these groups, right, that are, that are there that want representation, you have the Baptists, you have, and you sort of listed some of the Protestant denominations, they're, those groups are at somewhat of a, they're, they're at more of an advantage than you are, though, because, I mean, even if it's not their denomination, there's a denomination similar that is there within the Protestant umbrella. You really don't, you know, for the people who are Druids or Earth-centered, they really don't have anybody there that relates to them at all not that i'm dismissing the the other groups in their in their separateness but um i i think it's sort of an interesting distinction that you guys are, are sort of more in your own arena without that sort of representation do you think that this was intentional the is true for the buddhists the right. same is true no, exactly. for the buddhists and especially the baha'is and the unitarian universalists do you think this was intentional, though? I mean, do you think that the military, I know that's sort of a loaded question, that you know, there's a majority culture and they were trying to maybe not provide the services for? Because I guess my key question before you answer that, too, and this can be answered along with that, is if you, you know, are, are going to boot people out and say that there have to be official representatives there, why not wait until those representatives are, are there before getting rid of you and others? You know, why didn't they just wait for someone else to replace you before booting you out? Would you please ask that question to the commanding officer? <laughs> Truly, I mean, uh, guys, I wish you would uh, you would go out there and uh, we want to know what it is. Uh, what, you know that what got into uh, you know what B got into the bonnet of Captain Feifel. Uh, from what I understand, other commanders had been approached about this before, but in this instance, you saw the letter that he sent to me yesterday, which was also sent to our lead trial counsel, uh, Robert I, in Topeka, uh, Topeka Kansas, um, and basically he's saying yes, we thought we're try- we're doing our best to accommodate and. Uh, uh, a lot of folks have been attending these services. However, I'm going to cancel them, and if somebody wants to really beg me for them, I will consider a range of spectrum of response, one of which might be to bring back civilian volunteers. It's, it's creating uh, literally a, an unconscionable um, obstacle for young, uh, young men and women 
who are going through probably the, one of the most trying times of their lives, which is, you know, U.S. Navy boot camp. It is simply not going to happen, and they know damn well it's not going to happen. So are, have they completely, and maybe you've answered this and I missed it, but have they completely jettisoned all civilian volunteers? Yes. So, well, I take that back. Let me let me qualify that. They have eliminated all of the religious services that are led by civilian volunteers. Okay. There are still civilian volunteers who go to Great Lakes and the Recruit Training Command in support of the religious services that are provided by the chaplains and by any uh, uniformed personnel. So there are plenty of civilian volunteers um, there on Great Lakes at the Recruit Training Command. It's just the ones, the volunteers who were actual, the, actually the leaders of these minority groups. In addition, I would like to say that it is my understanding that all of these groups are like Lackland Air Force Base, like you said, Mikey, not, not only there, but also in the Marine Corps at Paris Island. And the Marines are part of the Department of Navy, which means that all of the religious services at Paris Island um, are supervised by U.S. Navy chaplains. So New York right. Navy chaplains so there are no U.S. Marine chaplains at Paris Island, but not at Great Lakes. So Mike, right. that's a good point because the Marine has the Marines do not use they do not have their own chaplains. They only they use Navy chaplains only. All right. So, hey, Mikey, let me ask you one other question before we before we start recording. I, I told you I wanted to ask you this because I need some help understanding this as well. And I'm sure that my our, our listeners would uh, also. And that is our understanding of most organizations. Most of my friends who are big, big advocates of the separation of church and state. And believe it or not, you know, listeners, I we have these friends. Um Want, want religion completely separated. I mean, totally and completely separated. In fact, some of my friends who are very much in the separation of church and state want all chaplains out of any sort of government role at all. And yet you're advocating essentially for more chaplains. Can you, can you help us understand why there seems to be, at least in my mind, a disconnect there? Well, let me put it this way. I, I, there, there are many issues here. Uh, I've, been, uh, I've worked closely for a number of years with the U.S. Army, uh, trying to help them with their, uh, initially they were doing spiritual fitness testing, which of course violates the Constitution, and now we were working on an optional uh, type of spirituality testing that would help, uh, it would be optional again, so that soldiers who are suffering, you know, um, uh, in, internally can, can determine whether or not uh, they are wanting in this area. Chaplain for, uh, support, there's no question that, 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 that this type of spirituality um, um, supports resiliency, which helps people uh, with their lives, because we have a suicide. We don't have a suicide uh, problem. We have a suicide um, epidemic in the military, and especially among veterans. Our biggest issue is the, is the mixing of the religion with the rank. And I've been on the record saying that I really believe that chaplains, uh, we need chaplains, but that chaplains uh, should, know, should lose the rank. Uh, we, have, we have plenty of uh, personnel that are um, in, in the U.S. Navy, Marine Corps, Army, and Air Force, who are civilians. They're, 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 they have a GS rating, GS, you know, 1 to 15 or whatever. And I think that we need to take the rank aspect away because that is that is being horribly abused. And we've seen that that's one of the things we see all the time here at MRFF. About 84 to 87% of the chaplaincy uh, is evangelical, which is way out of line with the proportion of troops that are there. The evangelical by themselves, not a problem. That's our largest growth area in our foundation on our advisory board. They donate to us, they're on our staff, they're clients of ours. 
But when they morph into what we call dominionists or fundamentalists, it's all a question of when they feel they have to follow the Great Commission in a time, place, and manner that violates regulations in the Pentagon or the Constitution, that's where we run, we run, uh, run afoul of uh, what our mission is. So chaplains provide a wonderful, and we have a number of chaplains who are clients of ours, former chaplains that are, on our, uh, in our, that are in our organization. The problem, though, is when, you, is when you use superior rank. Like I said before, the military is a, is a vertically encrusted uh, entity that is very little known by today's America. It was very different back in the day. But most Americans have very little understanding of the difference between, say, a, a general and a private. Um, I spoke at, um, at Harvard a few weeks ago, and some of the, uh, the people I talked to there, wonderful, well-meaning people, uh, do not understand even the differences between the, the services, let alone the, the type of um, uh, draconian specter of command influence and what that can actually do in the military. So chaplains, yes, their ranks is a question that is a problematic, uh, and um, so we are supporting that. Listen, you guys have been great. I think you've answered everything. And we want to have you back once we know a little bit more um, from the, the you know military side, what they're going to be doing. If anything, it seems like so far they're not going to be doing much, but it sounds like you guys are definitely planning to take some action, legal action if you need to. So you know, we want to keep in touch with you guys and hear more about this as the case goes on. Well, we're very grateful for the opportunity, and, um, um, and uh, I want to wish a great uh, weekend to everybody and particularly to our wonderful client, uh, Science John and Karen and uh, Chantry who are leading the way for us out there at Great Lakes. Mikey, is there is there a website we can plug for you? Yeah, please. Uh, our foundation is at the, it's simply www.militaryreligiousfreedom.org. Military Religious Freedom. I'm sorry, mil- militaryreligiousfreedom.org. That is our URL. Perfect. Thank John, you very much for having us, Chris and Billy. All right, thanks, fellas. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. Blessings to you. Thank you. The church boys. Man, I hate these guys. So this is a big weekend at the movies, and I am super stoked about the Avengers coming out. I'm a little bit of a nerd. I'm not a comic book nerd, but my thing about movies is I go to the movies for movies like the Avengers. Rarely do I go for anything else, mostly because with three little ones around the house, we never get a chance to go, though my my parents are always saying, let us watch the grandkids, let us watch the grandkids. It's like, okay, I'll let you corrupt them. That's that's what I want is my children spending more than about five minutes at a time with you. But anyway, I'm kidding. That's not very nice to say about my own parents. They're actually wonderful, loving grandparents. Um, That's my disclaimer I have to put in there or else I'll be grounded. Now, (laughs) <laughs> that said, there is an even more important movie that's out right now that I want you guys, I want everybody to understand you want to see Avengers, go see it. But can you wait a week or wait a day? Because there's another more important movie that we really, really, really want our listeners, we want Blaze-type people to go see. Billy, tell them about this new movie. So the movie's name is It's Little Boy, and it's about a little boy, about the seven-year-old kid who desperately wants to bring his father home from fighting in World War II. And so it's a World War II era film. Really just, I mean, I saw it over the weekend, last weekend, so we're moving into week two on this movie. Really a great film. I know Glenn Beck saw it, loved it. He thought it was excellent. Yeah, he's seen it and- twice, actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so good. It feels like a classic, right? And yeah. I think that's so rare with movies nowadays where you're laughing, you're feeling the emotion of it. There's right. a little bit of sadness. There's happiness. There's, I mean, there's so much that goes on in this so, film. But then now there's and, a controversy going on. Right. The controversy is that 
Rotten Tomatoes, which is one of the standards for um, critics versus you know people like you and me who go and see movies and rate them, it's one of the biggest disparities apparently that this site has ever seen for the size for the size audience this movie has had. 89% as we speak of the wow. audience, right, who saw this movie, people like you and me loved it. So almost 90%, almost 9 out of 10 people loved this movie. But when you look over at the top critics, only 10% of them like the movie. And I mean, they, they say all these insane things about it. They call it, um, let's see here, they call it artificial. They call it phony baloney, shameless, manipulative, mm. horrifically misguided, stupid. And I'm like, is this the same movie that I saw? Because it was a great movie with a great theme i mean a great theme is based on faith values i just it's crazy so i just I'm, while you're talking i went to the rotten tomato site and it looks like okay so audience scores at 89 the tomometer is that what they call it tomato meter tomato meter i would call it the tomometer tomato meter <laughs> anyway is that se- it's actually up to 17 percent? so no no no, you- no 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 i like saying no to you click top critics you're looking at all critics oh so we're so all critics 17 critics. if you go to the top okay critics top 10%. critics is set 10 percent. okay so so here's my question and and do, I, have you seen this spelled out or do you have an idea what they're talking about little boy is the rare faith-based film that many viewers may find legitimately offensive I mean, what I would, would you, what would you, what are they talking about when they say you find, might find it legitimately offensive? What's, what would so, that be? Even if I totally disagree with them, what is their, what is legitimately offensive mean? So this little boy wants to bring his dad home, right? And there's this one scene that I, I've seen a number of reviewers bring up where they drop the bomb on Japan and everybody in the town is so happy because the war is going to end, right? Obviously that's controversial and the kid's riding on his bike through the town and everybody's cheering and he's so happy. He thinks he's going to bring his dad home now. Uh, because he had been praying and hoping and trying to trying to bring his dad home, right? And but everyone sort of points to that and they're like, oh look, it's glorifying the war. But what they fail to note in these reviews is that the next scene is the little boy realizing the devastation of the bomb and he's suddenly upset because the bomb was nicknamed Little Boy. And so, mm. you know, everybody in the town is like, Oh, look, you did it, little boy. The bomb is even named after you. But then right. he realizes how, how bad horrible it was, right? right? And how sad it is. So it's it's almost like they forget that second part. It's like they're trying to pra- no, they're, they're not acting forgetting. like they're praising they're not, the bomb. They're not right? they're not forgetting that second part. They're purposefully ignoring it because that's right. what they do. They're liars. They're either liars or they are ignorant, neither of which is comforting. You know? Right. Well, you know, you put out another Kill Bill or some other violent, ridiculous film, and then you know, it. Nymphomaniac when that was out. I wonder what the ratings are on that. They give they give all these well, wonderful critic reviews. What's it called? Nymphomaniac. Nymphomaniac. Look it up. Nympho. Oops. Nymphomaniac, Volume One. I guess. Yeah, apparently, there are two of them. Yeah, there's Volume One and Volume Two. So let's see. Nymphomaniac Volume One, and its thermometer mating thermometer is. Seventy-five percent of all critics, top critics say seventy-two percent. Right, an certified score, fresh, an, which means people love it. The critics audis, love it. Audis, audience score was seventy-one. Right. What's about no volume two? <laughs> this is so stupid. Why are you even looking this up? All critics was fifty-nine. Top critics were forty-five. Uh, doesn't quite live up to the promise of the first in, of the first installment, but Nymphomaniac Volume Two still benefits from. Lars Van Trier's singular craft and vision, as well as a brav- uh, bravura performance from Charlotte Gainsbourg. So, and the, it's called Nymphomaniac Volume Two. Forget about love, and that gets a, a minimum. It gets fifty percent. Gets fifty nine percent on the tomatometer. Tomatometer. 
or whatever. But little boy gets 10? Right. 10? Because it's stupid and offensive. And I mean, legitimately offensive? It's Nymphomaniac gets fresh ratings, gets great ratings, and little boy, which talks about loving others and loving your family and praying for your family and hoping for the best and hurting when other people hurt, gets a 10. That's how screwed up these people are. That's why you well, don't listen I mean, to critics. You know, and the other thing that they poked fun at is that this little boy has convinced himself he's a big fan of a magician that he can move things, right? So he thinks he can move a mountain. So he tries to concentrate and he puts his hands up and he concentrates and there's an earthquake at, when he's doing this, right? So it builds his faith because he thinks, I do have the power. And he would stand at the edge of the water and try to bring his, bring his dad back. He'd put his hands out and try to you know, point towards Japan and bring his dad back. He's a kid. He's a seven-year-old. It fits into the whole theme. It's just... It's crazy to me. This is a way of downgrading movies that are family friendly. It's a way of being obnoxious and it makes me uh, hate the way that Hollywood operates. So the good news is, the good news is, despite the <laughs> bad the bad reviews that it gets from the quote top critics, the little boy, uh, it is not it is not Mal, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Paul Blart Blart Mall Cop 2 top critics rating 0%. Wait, can we talk about something funny, though? Yes. There might be a pattern yeah. Oh, here. you know what? Kevin James is in both of those movies. He's in both, me? and so is David Henry. Two actors are in both of those movies. <laughs> so, we, so we can blame Kevin James, then. I Listen, you we're going to have David Henry on this show, by oh, yeah. the way. He's okay. great. He's great. He was in Little Boy. He was in Paul Blart. We're going to have him on the <laughs> I show. Think we blame, uh, I think we friend. blame Kevin James. I know I like Kevin James, but I was going to say we blame Kevin James. We don't blame Kevin James. I blame Leo Remini. Leo Remini ruined Kevin James in... Uh, King of Queens. I like she's, both of them. She's easy on the eyes, except when she went through her fat stage. But she, I'm in a fat she, stage right now, so can we not? <laughs> well, I also don't like you. But she, I believe she ruined Kevin James. I also blame I her for breaking I up. I also What's blame her for breaking up Don and Mike, but that's another story for another day. What's wrong with you? <laughs> a lot of things. You mean regarding this? Up. I don't know. All right, you know what? I think it'd be time, Billy, because I need a nap and you need to. Get some. You were going out for corrective shoes today, weren't you? <laughs> corrective shoes. Uh, <laughs> you, you really have a special. There's like a oh, little, a I little know. like etched out place in hell for you right I now. I just. I mean, it's actually furnished, so that's the good thing. <laughs> furnished. <laughs> Any wisdom for the people, Billy? You idiot. Read your Bibles. And the blades. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs>